Listen, you smell something? Human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. What a discovery, a psychoreactive substance. Do you know what this equipment is used for? Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? We'll have fun! Yeah! They're still doing a really quite good work there. My friend, don't be a jerk. We've got no choice. Call the Ghostbusters. Super Jackpot! Welcome to Extraplasm Podcast. It's the only podcast on the internet that's currently lobbying IKEA to make Firehouse Core, a flat-packed firehouse project that you can build in your own backyard. And don't tell me you can't, because as we've seen this week, and we're going to talk about, obviously, firehouses are collapsible and rebuildable across different oceans. I'm your host, Jim Meritado, aka Vink Maniac on the internet, and I just gave you a bit of a long first line of the podcast, but I'm going to stop critiquing it now so we can instead talk to John Yurkeva, who is joining us uh, again on the podcast and returning and competing along with others recently for one of our uh, five timers robes that Austin has to make. How are you doing, John? Uh, I am doing well. And uh, yeah, that robe is mine. Uh, I want it. Please send it to me. Uh, that's premium lounge wear right there. And that's what I'm all about. So. Austin has to make them. They have to. You get <laughs> on the podcast five times, and then Austin has to make them. That's the agreement that I made. I will hand out the robes that Austin makes. That's I love it. That sounds <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, I also think that all of those robes should be like Ric Flair robes. They should have like sequins. They should not just be like some yeah. average bathrobe. It should and be the kind when of thing you go- that when when we show up at an event, whether it's like a, a movie premiere, a convention, or whatever, you. You walk out with that and like the music plays and everyone's like, oh, look who's here. You're literally taking the words out of my mouth because I was only going to say that they should be pyros that go off as well. (laughs) So like we just build on this idea. So everywhere you go, if you're a person who's been this podcast enough times, it's like the the 17 and a half minute rendition of Ray Parker Jr.'s Ghostbusters begins playing. And then pyros go off behind you. Um, And then hopefully we turn that off before we spend the whole 17 and a half minutes listening to that. I'm not even sure if it's that long. I think I've exaggerated how long that is at this point to a point that I might be saying it's longer than it really is. It's an hour long. No, (laughs) (laughs) no, that's his. It's a small world performance. Ah, yes. Yeah. Previously discussed on Extraplasm. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that you're here and that you've come back for another run at the show. And uh, for those of you who don't know who John is, John is. Uh, a friend. He's an artist. He's a comic book artist. He's a Ghostbusters uh, logo designer and merchandise saver of FanFest and many other things, but all all around good person. So thank you for coming back and welcome on the show. Um, Thank you for having me and thank you for the kind words. Yeah, you're welcome, of course, as always. Um, How have you been? I have been good. I've been busy. Uh, I have done. I've been filling up my calendar with stuff I'm going to be doing over the next couple months. I just this past uh, just a little while ago did a um, uh, my first comic convention officially as a a working comic book artist over the past year. I've done like little in-store stuff at local comic shops and and signings and everything. But this was my uh, my official first convention appearance. And uh, and it was a lot of fun and and I did pretty well. and I, I managed to find some time to both be there in an official capacity, but also geek out myself. And I got to meet some really cool artists who've worked for Marvel and DC and, and shake some hands and stuff. So it was a lot of fun. I had a good time. And then I've got um, some other stuff coming up 
I, I've been working on a, a new project for an art book uh, that I was invited to uh, contribute to. That's so cool. keeping my pencil moving, man. So we should be looking for an art book sometime soon that um, we, I don't know if you can talk about it, but uh, maybe someday in the can. future. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely talk more about it as, as it gets closer. Um, it is, it's not Ghostbusters, uh, but it is something that I have uh, been a big fan of for a hot minute. And um, it's adjacent to Godzilla. It's not Godzilla, gotcha. but it's adjacent. So it's what you're saying is that you're currently drawing kaiju art about extraplasm where um, I stomp through cities. No, I mean, I'm if you want to just spell it out for people. Yeah, it's, it's basically <laughs> that for sure. <laughs> it's not that at all, everybody. Um, I don't have any art books yet. Someday there will be That's many, goal, many right? art books. There's been many drawings of this podcast. Exactly <laughs> what it looks like, um, which basically means. You have to figure out how to make abstract watercolors of uh, un- of unplanned chaos. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, I'm glad that you're out there and getting uh, work done as a working comic book artist is the phrase you used. I like it. Um, I refer to you as a good as a good artist. Um, that's in general. I do my best. Comic book artists. But I was I recently received the prints that you had sent me um, a while back because you did your print sale back over ah, yes. Friday. And I got those and I think I might have told you this, that I showed them to my partner and mm-hmm. she was like, that's really nice. And I was like, <laughs> cool, thanks. And she's like, yeah, you should hang that up like in the hallway. And so I've gone on the record as saying that your artwork is officially endorsed by partners who otherwise would say, why highest, is your Ghostbusters yeah, shit out here? Highest compliment. <laughs> I think I think there's I think I don't think people understand like there's, you know. It's it's awesome when you can meet somebody who also shares your enthusiasm and your geekiness for the exact same things. But that's not always everyone's situation. And it doesn't mean you're in any less of a loving relationship like your partner might be into video games and you might be into comics. Your partner might be into this and you might be into that. But it's always like when when. You have that sort of like regardless of who's into what somebody looks at it and is like, Oh, that's good. That's, I was like, this is the equivalent of, you know, when you see TV spots for movies and it's just like IGN gives it five stars and says, it's one of the greatest (laughs) movies of the summer. It's just like, Oh, that's, that's what this is for me. That's going to be the blurb on my, on my portfolio site, 10 out of 10 would hang in the living room. And then the credit will be like the wife of somebody who ordered the prints. <laughs> it's the only artwork that my wife let me hang in the room. Yeah. Everything else she banished to my office. <laughs> Ten stars. Aesthetically pleasing to fans and non-fans alike. <laughs> yeah, I I do. I really do love your artwork. And I say this a lot, but. I was really tickled when she was impressed by it. <laughs> she was like, that's really great. It's like, well, I do appreciate sweet. it and and definitely let her know that I appreciate it. I will. I will. And then I'm going to take her up on the notion that we should frame it and put it in that room because that way I can be like, yes, I'm nice. moving and expanding. It's a slow <laughs> colonization, you know, 
And I, there are periods where I get to do it for the holiday, like a Slimer manages to make it out next to the Christmas tree with a yeah. Santa hat on, or, <laughs> you know, the Christmas tree is covered in like 50% Ghostbusters and Star Trek ornaments and everything else is, you know, right. But to be fair, she's not that big in a Christmas, so she doesn't care that much about that. But that's, um, that's yeah. how things are with me and, and my wife. We, we both, you know, love Christmas and everything. And I, and I never try to force my my nerdiness into anywhere where, you know, it doesn't need to be. I yeah. I don't mean that to sound like I'm restricted or anything, but it's just like, you know, I, I geek out in my office. I, people yeah. can't see it because this is an audio podcast, but like you're looking at me and I've got my walls are covered in all kinds of oh yeah superheroes and Ghostbusters. And I got a shelf full of mobile suit Gundam action figures and model kits and stuff like that. And we have a couple of Funko Pops and a couple little nerdy things in the living room. And it's something that reflects both of our tastes. But right. what's funny is when uh, I'll talk to my wife about like, hey, we should start decorating for Christmas. Hey, we should start decorating for Halloween. And uh, both of us just put it off and put it off or get busy with other things and forget about it until the week before. And I'm just like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and decorate. And, you know, the, the Christmas tree ends up full of Green Lantern rings or half of the Halloween decorations are just, you know, Ghostbusters action figures and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I uh, I got bold last year and decided that the best thing to put on the Christmas tree was the loyal subjects Ghostbusters figures. I just literally took them out of the boxes and gave them candy canes <laughs> and shoved them in the tree. And I was like, yeah, I have toys in the tree. Yeah. <laughs> or like great. the back when. um. Maddie collector had the Ghostbusters license and they put out yeah. that Ghostbusters two, four pack where they all have Santa hats. The hats. Like this yeah. is every year those are coming out and they're standing on the mantle because it counts. Yep. <laughs> hey, I will say this. My Christmas tree topper is hollow is holiday. He man. Um, I actually do have a full blown action figure just sitting at the top of my Christmas tree every year. Um, <laughs> nice. I was holding a candy cane version of the power sort of power. Uh, and wearing a Santa Claus hat that Super 7 put out as a one off. I don't know, probably three or four years ago at this point. But yeah, anyway, once again, Ghostbusters, the discussion of it is somehow trumped by He-Man. Um, that's <laughs> a, a running that's a running theme that going I back to Ghostbusters was gonna be 2. Yeah. You know, He-Man. <laughs> um, well, we should probably stop talking about our Christmas trees, um, even though that's fun. <laughs> and, you know, our, our partners are good people, but I they think are. people probably want to hear a little bit more. Um, about our partners yeah, i'll talk are. about her oh it's i mean great we could we should do that on partner cast like <laughs> partner that's <cast>. um which is <laughs> a new podcast launching soon that that will be a confusing podcast where some people are like this is a podcast about relationships and some people will be like this is a podcast about how you finally become partner at the law firm um and that's <laughs> a totally different podcast <laughs> but we should talk so, about some ghostbusters headlines let's do it Still making headlines all across the country, the Ghostbusters are at it again. Today, the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity. All in topic today, ghosts and ghostbusting. Yixtra plasm, read all about it. Ghostbusters headlines coming at you. Leading us off in Ghostbusters headlines, we're going to probably do things a little bit. I don't know. I feel like we're burying the lead a little bit because often I like to do that thing where I say, let's talk about merch and then build to things that are more important. But this week we're going to do this very different thing of just talking about the state of things in Ghostbusters production. Uh, I jokingly said last week at the start of the podcast that it was the first day of the, or the last day of the month of February and the first day of the first month of the new Ghostbusters production or some nonsense and said that it was a very 
mundane time we would be ramping up to production pretty quickly and boy oh howdy how where are we now <laughs> early in the week uh we had a situation where gil kennan and jason reitman were putting out photos of a black and white background they were in black and white because it's a black and white photo that makes sense and there was some weird like wall that had a bunch of like tile marked out areas and then x's all over it and along the side of it, it said firehouse set row one, mark one. Uh, and it was very clear that this was part of a firehouse Ghostbusters firehouse set that was being built uh, from modular pieces. Hence the notion that we should have Ikea flat packed firehouse. <laughs> um, so that was our first announcement of the week that like, hey, production's happening and we're building a firehouse, which is kind of cool. Right. Were you excited when you saw this? I was. And and. To me, it was something that I was like, they're going to when they start showing things from this production, from the set and everything. This is I was waiting for this to be what it was, because I I think there was a lot of speculation early on that because it was filming in the UK, like, oh, this is going to be about them, you know, building up a new franchise outside of New York or doing like reasons for it to be set in the UK. And in my mind, I was just thinking about how, like, almost every Batman film has filmed in the UK. They yeah. literally built half of Gotham, you know, from scratch in giant hangar spaces in the right. UK for Christopher Nolan's Batman movies. Um, and I like I think the narrows how much Star Wars was filmed. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so when they said they were going to film in the UK and you couple that with the fact that when they filmed that final scene with Winston in the firehouse for afterlife. One of the reasons it looked like it had just been like kind of unkept and dusty and under construction <laughs> is because it literally was it under right. construction becoming something else. It's like they're not going to be able to use that space to actually yeah. film the movie. And so in my right. head, I was like, oh, this is just like Batman. They're literally rebuilding an entire firehouse or like all the parts of the firehouse to film it in a hangar space in the UK. Right. And so seeing them post this image, I was like, there it is. Like, I, I knew this is what was going to happen. And I'm super excited. It's cool to, like, see that coming back to life and, and to know that we are going to be back in the firehouse. Yeah, I was stoked because I felt like we had the the question I was really worried about was finally answered, um, which is that I I always hope we would be doing a practical set. And I imagined yeah. that we would be given that they built an entire farmhouse in Canada and then tore it down and rebuilt the same damn farmhouse on a soundstage. Mm. Um, so, and they grew wheat around it. They didn't go, Hey, how do we CGI in some wheat? No, they said, let's grow crops. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I was sort of, you know, figured they would probably go practical, but you know, traveling over an ocean with all your stuff is a little different than driving it over a border. And right. I was concerned about what that would look like or whether or not they would be able to uh, easily build that set and find the folks to do it there. And maybe I'm being stupid and naive <laughs> and going, hey, you're forgetting that like Pinewood Studios is there and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But um, I was worried that somehow we could end up with a digital recreation and mm -hmm. that that would have hurt in a way in terms of like the I don't know, the, the authenticity, the tactile feel of the film in terms of your characters interacting with it. But yeah. I'm really no, excited I, to see yeah. that it's practical. I um, had a feeling too, because even even with um the ending of Answer the Call, or I think there's parts when they're, you know, investigating how much it'll cost to to be in the firehouse too. 
Yeah. But like, you know, they had interior shots for that. And and there was some recreation of, of what that right. looked like. So to me, that was kind of like the proof of concept in the sense of like, hey, even if we don't film in the L.A. firehouse, we can have a firehouse still. Yeah. And so yeah. I I had. Yeah, I I kind of always knew that like I who knows what shots they will and won't be able to get in. um in New York, because obviously, right. like, it's hectic to film there. It's expensive to film there and all that kind of stuff. And so it's I'm not sure, like it was in the 80s where you could be guerrilla style in the same yeah. way and get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm sure there's even going to be parts of the UK that double for New York, like as far as exterior yeah. stuff, the same way that, you know, that doubles for Gotham City. But I'm sure at least for maybe shots of like the Ecto one leaving the firehouse or coming back to the firehouse. They'll probably get a few exterior shots there. And then, like you said, like we'll have them, we'll, we will have a firehouse interior space for yeah. them to walk around in and interact with. And that'll be cool. Cause that also opens it up to like, if for whatever reason they want to change the firehouse, like we don't know why yeah. they might want to, but, and this is something that we can get into as well. Cause the the markings on the set itself kind of allude to it. If they want to do different aspects of the firehouse or different right. iterations of it, now it's not like they can switch it out easily. They can build a wall that is a Mark One firehouse for whatever that means, mm-hmm. and then easily switch it out for the Mark Two. Right, and we can get into that. What do you What do you think that might mean? Because I have some ideas about what um, Mark One might mean. So, I mean, I think, you know, I've jokingly said that like Mark one and Mark two is obviously the parts before the house, like the firehouse gets haunted and like pre haunt mm-hmm. and post haunt. Cause I've been deeply committed to wanting a film where they just don't even leave. They just mm-hmm. like, no one needs to actually make sure the Ecto one runs. Yeah. <laughs> that's why they, that's why they took the one that doesn't really drive and drift overseas because they're like, Hey, we don't really need to go anywhere in it. Um, because it's just the whole movie takes place in the firehouse from the containment unit, like rotting out. And I've been saying this for like Ooh. several months that like, that would be an interesting story to have like a slow burn of the containment unit rotting out inside and sort of letting the ghost world come through into the firehouse. And so it's like a bottle show almost. Right. Um, I love yeah. that idea. I, I think that would be really cool. That's, that's something that I've kind of been playing around with in my head too not specifically the the containment unit aspect because i i love that idea especially with how it leaves off with the the light on the unit is yeah glowing red instead of green right. so you're kind of left with that like oh what's going on here and i love the trap that is not clean that's what that yeah. means because the thing that i've been thinking is especially with keeping the films more character driven than the first two like they did with afterlife it's, you know, Afterlife was kind of about seeing from the Spangler family perspective, the closure that they got with how things ended, what happened to Egon and what it meant for their family. Yeah. And I thought it'd be cool if the next one dealt with similar things, but from the perspective of, at the very least, Winston, if not also Ray and Peter and Janine. And that idea of like, hey, now we're back home we're in the firehouse again we've gotten things back up and running and we're coming to terms with how it ended as we're trying to take those steps into the future and and kind of dealing with the firehouse being haunted in multiple ways where it's Mm -hmm. like you said maybe it's the containment unit has been left unattended unmaintained and it's still working 
But because it hasn't had that constant maintenance, it's kind of like maybe the seals are starting to fail like they would every once in a right. while. And, and the real Ghostbusters and stuff starts getting out. And I love the idea that, you know, as as it's a literal haunting, it's also a mental and emotional haunting where you see flashbacks of Winston and maybe Ray and and uh, Peter and Janine remembering the last, you know, the last few times that they were all in the firehouse together before Egon left. And so it's fighting those ghosts and, you know, like battling those demons. I'm using yeah. air quotes is both literal and metaphorical. And I love the idea of it being a, like a bottle episode kind of thing. Like you said, yeah. where it's, it's, it's almost like movies like, um, Oh God. Uh, like dread, how dread was like judge dread and judge Anderson get into that apartment complex. And the whole movie is set in that apartment in complex. There, right. It's that kind of thing where once all the characters get to the firehouse, they are all just in the firehouse dealing with whatever it is. And I could almost imagine the final shot of the movie being that they've dealt with whatever it is. They've all come to terms with whatever emotions and, and mental right. emotional journey they have to go on. And that last shot is the firehouse doors opening and the refurbished Ecto finally just being like, and it's like now it's just full time future stories kind of thing. I've been thinking about this a bit, too, because like and not to be like, hey, this is just like he's one note director. But like, I think it's important to always remember that Gil Cannon was the director of Dan Harmon's Monster House. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So it's like he worked on an animated project that was essentially like a story that took place entirely inside of a house for the most part. Right. This yeah. is a haunted house story. So this is not like a new terrain in that aspect if it was the way they would go. But we'll see. I mean, it, it, to be honest, it could mean like. If we were going to be like realistic, it could just mean like Trevor drives the Ecto one into the corner of the building in the first five minutes of the movie and they have yeah. to replace the build. They have to replace the wall or maybe yeah. it's like, hey, Mark, one is actually a section of the firehouse that hasn't been deconstructed as a Starbucks. And so yeah. it's a it's got a lot of posters on it that say caramel macchiato. I, I, I don't <laughs> right. <laughs> but but it's like yeah. but it's, there's so many there's so much potential. And I think the point like we're both getting at is like. This modular notion, right? They like I joked mm -hmm. about it as like being an IKEA flat packed firehouse. But like if you can swap out a wall in this way, it's not dealing with an actual physical building anymore. It's a set. And that yeah. actually opens up so much more possibility of what you can do at a storytelling level mm -hmm. with the environment because you're not constrained by the 115 year old bricks that are holding the place together or the environment that exists directly outside. Yeah, <laughs> Which, you can have a wall that's like, this is what the wall looked like in 1992. And then right. as soon as you finish filming that scene, you can be like, OK, let's bring back in the 2023 wall and we're right. ready, you know, and we're good to go. And so it's I'm uh, I'm excited to see how that looks by the same token. Um, I think that some of that modularity, our expectations of it, as much as I had them earlier in the week, I'm not sure if maybe they might get dialed down a little bit because. What followed in the week <laughs> was even more eye opening about the Ghostbusters set. And these photos are still out there, but a lot harder to find. Uh, I turned around on Friday and lo and behold, there were photos on GB fans Facebook page of the Ghostbusters firehouse getting new tiles. Now, I'm going to be real with you. I have to be honest with my my, my fellow you know podcast friends out there in the world. You all know that I many of you know, if you didn't, if you're like a newcomer, then you may not know this. I did an episode about the L.A. firehouse. 
I did an episode about the entire history of the LA firehouse and all the ways that it was used for filming and all kinds of stuff. So if anybody should know what the LA firehouse looks like inside, after looking at all these photos, I would say that I'm (laughs) on the list of people. Um, I looked at these photos, John, and I'm dumb. They were (laughs) photos of the LA of, of of the set of the set being built in the UK. Mm -hmm. My brain looked at the space, looked at the dimensions looked at the tiles going on the walls, knowing fully well that the tiles have been stripped from the walls in the LA firehouse. And the person who posted this on GB fans is somebody who is also sort of a fellow, you know, pop historian of the LA firehouse who likes to talk about it a lot. Sure. For 14 seconds, my brain thought I was looking at a photo of the renovation of the LA firehouse and not the actual, not the new set. And, Dang. Um, and I went, Oh, one, I'm stupid, and two, this is gonna look good. <laughs> yeah, that this is like, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, if it can fool people who have like studied it, then it's like, oh, they're on the right track. I went, why is the staircase being made of wood? And then I scrolled up and looked at the actual like caption above it, and it was like I Tile, the company who's building the tiles for the UK firehouse. And I was like, oh. <laughs> And I felt really dumb in the moment. I like, <laughs> I, I'm openly admitting it because I'm gleefully dumb in the moment uh, uh, because I was like, wow, thank God. It looks like they're actually doing great work to renovate those tiles for thee." And then I went, you stupid idiot. This is the set. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the set photos kind of leaked. They probably should not have been out there because the following day, the set photos began disappearing. <laughs> from anywhere that had them. But iTile is the company that was hired apparently by the production to uh, retile or to simply tile the, um, the set and put in the green iconic tiles, the green and white tiles on the walls in the garage bay uh, that you see throughout all, you know, Ghostbusters throughout Ghost, even 2016. They're obviously there. They are iconically what makes the room look like what it is, right? If you don't have them, you're not inside the Ghostbusters firehouse. Right. Um, So, if you look at those photos, they're interesting. They're out there. You're not going to find them where they were probably because most places that had them have taken them down. Ghostbusters news had an entire article about it. And then that article vanished. Um, and we'll talk in a couple moments about what followed. It's vanishing <laughs> because there was some new stuff on Ghostbusters <laughs> news. But um, I find these photos really fascinating because they reveal what it's like to build a set of the firehouse. Like that there's. Yeah. Um, it looks like the firehouse, but there is this strange thing that there's probably about a foot of space between the bottom of the walls and the bottom of the staircase that is just mm-hmm. like blank, unfinished space. And you go, what is that for? Why are they doing this? And the answer is they haven't put the raised floor in yet. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of um, the the episode take two of the real Ghostbusters where yeah. they they established that, oh, the real Ghostbusters is the real version of things. And this is when they made the movie. And you see them show up and like the firehouse is there in a soundstage and they see right. the prop proton back packs and accidentally get them mixed up. And they're just running around a soundstage like it reminded me of that. It made me want to go watch that episode and just that idea of like, oh, they're building all these aspects of the firehouse for the sake of a right. movie. And that's what's fascinating to me is that like they have the ability now to build the flooring that is raised up where they could put cables and wiring yeah, and all kinds of stuff wiring. underneath it. It's made for filming as opposed yep. to taking an actual space and modifying it for filming and trying exactly. to work around it. They build it for the purpose of this is to make a movie. Right. 
which means if they want to put props or if they want to put effects into the floor or anything else that they want to, they can as well. Right. And so, um, I'm excited about this. I know there's some people out there who are like going, what do you mean? They're not filming the LA firehouse. And I've seen these <laughs> posts. Those have been fun. I have to admit as a person who has a ghostbusters podcast, watching people now in March, <laughs> see these photos and go, wait, what do you mean is happening in the UK? And I'm like, where have you been? <laughs> like, what, why are you on gbfans.com? Yeah. Are you, are you actually one? Or are you just lurking? Um, what's <laughs> happening? Um, well, it's but, also, there's a weird aspect of like, you know, I, I know that um, Jason and, and other people involved in the production talked about in the past about trying to recreate the original formula of Ghostbusters. But there's yeah. there's absolutely a line of like, hey, if we can do things the same way, then sure, let's do that if it makes sense to do that. But it doesn't mean we have to like if we can't use the firehouse, there's no firehouse. It's like we right. can make another. It's still going to be a firehouse. Like, it'll be. Yes. Fine. And the fact that it seems as. um. Like, look, I was concerned at points that like maybe they won't do the whole firehouse. Maybe mm. they will just like do the TurboTax commercial style thing <laughs> and like build section of the firehouse that looks really great. But that is, you know, just the back of the firehouse is what they need. Yeah. Um, but to see that they're actually building the set and that they're building it as a multi-level set. They've openly said this at this point that like it's not just, hey, we're doing the garage bay. No, they're, they're building the flooring. They're going to build yeah. out. And that's we're we may get to finally see the upstairs of the Ghostbusters mm. firehouse for the first time since like 1989. Um, yeah. You know, and not, and not the actual one. It'll be a fabrication and a recreation, but we'll see that space where Chinese food was allegedly, you know, eaten, yeah. Uh, and it'll be cool film. too. Cause I, but, I know that they, I know that they mentioned that there's nothing in spirits unleashed. The, the game that came out specifically that is like, Oh, this is going to matter to the new film. Or there's right. any sort of like, if you didn't play the game, you're not going to know the full canon. And when you right. play the game, you kind of realize like, OK, this is like it's like an episode of the real Ghostbusters. Like if you miss one, it's not going to prevent you from jumping in and it doesn't necessarily matter to the larger story. But it'll be interesting. Just some of the ideas of like, oh, they've turned this space into a lab and they've turned this space into that. Right. If we are. You know, we might jump into this movie and get to see them still renovating the firehouse or we yeah. might jump in and see that like this is, you know, the firehouse has been fixed up already. And maybe we will see that like, oh, they've kind of rebuilt a lab space for this. And this is the, you know, where they work on the proton packs or whatever. And it'll be really cool to see, you know, that's what it like. I think I've sa I said this last time I was on the show. The thing that excites me the most about. Ghostbusters, when I think about it, is the changes. It's the forward mm -hmm. momentum. It's the future. We know what 80s Ghostbusters looks like. Right. We might get a glimpse of 90s Ghostbusters if there's flashbacks. And that's cool because it's something we haven't seen. And we're going to get a glimpse of what Ghostbusters looks like going forward. And for me, when I was a kid, I dreamed of like, what's Ghostbusters going to be like when I'm old enough to be one for real? Right. You know, when I'm 18, <laughs> when I'm 21, whatever the age limit is to, to be a Ghostbuster. Like when the Ecto I want to imagine. Tesla. Yeah. Like I want to <laughs> hopefully it's not a Tesla, but yeah, hopefully it's like not a Tesla. But, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's I'm excited to finally be there and to see like, you know, especially now that Winston's coming in and he's funding it and they have all this. Yeah. You know, what is what does the future look like? And I'm I'm excited to see what the future of the firehouse looks like. I'm excited about that. And I think I, well, I don't think that we'll really see this, but I am kind of amused at the prospect of like watching the dormitory space mm -hmm. turn into a turn into a dorm. 
Right? Yeah. Like, or it's just like the, yeah, they're like 100%. high school and college kids yeah. living in like, like a space like. <laughs> imagine like, when they hire new rookies and it's like, hey, you don't have to live at the firehouse, but for your six week training period or something, you have to stay at the firehouse because we want you to feel what it's like <laughs> to get a call at 3 a.m., the witching hour and have to roll out of bed and hop in the car and go bust a ghost. Like, you know, I want to see this joke. I want to see this joke. Um, and in the game, even like even the spirits unleashed firehouse, you go upstairs and there's arcade machines and a pinball table. Right? Mm-hmm. And I've always thought this, like you look at ghostbusters and they're like, they've run out of petty cash while they're eating Chinese food. <laughs> And right. look at what they spent the money on. It's like they had to spend the money on all this laser containment grid stuff and, you know, nuclear accelerators and stuff that like costs millions of dollars. But in the process, they were like, we also are going to need a Qbert machine, right? Like right. we're just, we need one. Right. So the Ghostbusters video game then did this with like the 2009 game spirits unleashed additionally has like three arcade games. I want them to go and rebuild the firehouse and like build it back the way it was. Ray is standing there all proud and he's like, check it out. We got a Qbert and the kids just walk in and they like pull their phones out and pull out VR helmets on and just look at them. They go, what the fuck is that? Yeah. (laughs) Or like there's a scene where Ray rebuilds the fire or like, you know, they get it all set up again and him and Winston are walking around like this is going to be good. And then Ray comes and visits later in the week and he comes up to that floor thinking he's going to see like all the new cadets or whatever, just chilling, playing arcade machines. And then he looks over and they've got like their PlayStations plugged into a TV because, of course, it'll be PlayStations. Right. And they're doing that. And Ray's just With, like, no, it's going to be VR. Oh, come on, this is a classic, you know, and they're just like, yeah, they're just like, get with the times. Yeah. <laughs> they get the PlayStation VR helmets on and they're running around the firehouse and uh, one of them falls down the hole that they would have to slide down. And that becomes mm-hmm. a, a side plot is that somebody <laughs> can't go bust ghosts now because they broke their leg playing P- PlayStation VR two. Oh, but and, then they'll, um, but then they'll do yeah. a thing where if it is like the containment unit is rotting from the inside out or something, they have to go inside it, but they can't actually go inside it. So they use the VR as some sort of like, yeah, send a drone in there and see it through the <laughs> VR. <laughs> <laughs> this is it, man. Can Sony consumer products division. <laughs> if you're listening, Listen, I know how you. excited you are right now. OK, because we, got, we you. got your back. That one's on the house. We've got more. <laughs> oh, I, I am excited about it. Um, and I have to say I, the tiles look great. The green tiles, um, I think, on the wall look great. Although somebody uh, in a conversation said they felt they looked a little dark. And I agree that they look a little dark. But I also think they may be dark on purpose because they yeah, look lighter once they're under stuff. studio lighting. Yeah. Um, lighting whereas, and color you know, correction for sure right like whereas it, i was saying this the other day that if you think about the la firehouse it actually is open on both ends it has an open it has doors that open in the front obviously and a big window yeah. above that and then in the back there's uh the space where they used to have open for like bringing the horses in back in yeah. the day so um, and i'm sure they you know, like, a lot of I'm natural sure, light actually gets in there for those windows yeah and i'm sure that they also did like i'm sure the tile company came up with like 12 different tiles, 12 different yeah. shades of green. And then they lit them all a certain way for like, what if it's raining? What if it's daylight? What if it's this? What if it's that? And then did camera test and did color corrections and said that that's the right. one. And then that's yeah. what they ordered a bunch of. And now they're um, totally fired because they took photos <laughs> and put them on Instagram. I'm kidding. Um, I don't know that for real. I'm Jeez. joking about that. Don't nobody, nobody take that seriously and be like, wow, really? Ghost Core fired the tile company? No, I have no idea. I just know that the fi- that the photos have definitely been scrubbed from the tile company's Instagram page. 
And then to follow that, um, they disappeared from uh, GB Max, who some folks may, may, may know out there is <laughs> a huge Ghostbusters fan who makes lots of Ghostbusters fan art and memes. He's, and he's he, one of the most positive people in the world, though. Like, it's absolutely. impossible to not interact with him or see the things he posts and, and just get that feeling of like, this is a good dude. If you are a person who went to Ghostbusters Fan Fest and you signed your name on some random Stay Puff that everybody was signing, not that the celebrities were signing, but that fans were signing, then you signed something that was owned by GB Max. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> that's kind of the point. He's the kind of guy who comes to an event and says, I want to meet all the fans because he's a huge yeah. super fan and a very nice person. Uh, but I w- was amused because he very quickly began producing like, you know, fan mm-hmm. art using those photos yeah. within like hours of them being out. And then later I looked at things and I was like, Oh, those are gone. Um, yeah. <laughs> those are gone too. They don't exist anymore. And then I went to ghostbusters news where Jason Fitzsimmons had an article about this and that article was totally gone. Um, and so I think that this was probably a situation where these photos were not really supposed to make it out and they were an yeah. unintentional leak of the set. And I did say that I was not going to do spoilers on this podcast. I'm not, um, we all knew there was going to be a firehouse. That's why yeah. I was like, whatever. Um, so that article vanishes from Ghostbusters news. Uh, and then I checked Ghostbusters news again. And suddenly there was a new article. The new article from March 4th is called exclusive upcoming Ghostbusters sequel gets new filming start date shooting timeline revealed. Uh, and in this article, Jason Fitzsimmons, to uh, directly quote him, says earlier this year, a film and television industry alliance report pegged the upcoming Ghostbusters sequel codenamed Firehouse to commence filming on March 6th in the United Kingdom. As apparent from recent updates, the UK undoubtedly will serve as the backdrop. But today we can confirm that fl- filming has been slightly delayed, at least compared to the original report. Speaking with those in the know, Ghostbusters News has learned that filming will not begin next week with our insiders confirming a new start date closer to the end of the month. In addition to the update, we've also been given an outline for filming with Columbia Pictures Ghost Core eyeing up a three-month shoot expected to wrap in late June. This would be a similar timeline to Afterlife, which was filmed in July and October of 2019. Uh, so um, we're not really sure who the insider is, although I think I'm sure that some of us can probably guess. Um, but uh, and I, don't, I doubt that Jason just you know reported this based off of like, some guy who's currently working as a grip on the movie, but rather was probably given this information by somebody in the know for real. He was he was given this information by an alien. <laughs> the Holiday Inn in Paramus, <laughs> New Jersey. <laughs> well, it might have been a spaceship that was dressed up to look like the Holiday Inn in Paramus, sure New Jersey. Can't be sure about that, Jim. <laughs> Can't be sure. Can't. <laughs> the source as sources and insiders say that this is what's happening. Um, yeah. So that sounds consistent to me. I mean, let's be very real. If the movie was supposed to begin filming on the sixth, that's the, that's the release date of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so that means as you were listening to this as a person downloading it, they would be filming a movie despite the fact that photos were just released of a completely unfinished set with <laughs> recently installed green tiles. <laughs> so I'm not really surprised to hear that the timeline has been pushed. Um, I want to see what you think about this. I am. I'm challenged to believe that the movie will make it out in December on time. What do you think? I would love for it to make it out on time because currently it's scheduled to release on the December 20th. Is that right? I believe so. Yes. 
And that would literally be the day after my birthday. So it would honestly just be the greatest birthday present ever. If like the midnight release is technically like me staying up on my birthday to go watch Ghostbusters. That's fair. But um, I also honestly like it. It doesn't. We're getting another Ghostbusters movie, whether it comes out on December 20th or January 15th or March 8th or whatever the case is. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be hyped. I'm not. They're making the movie. We know it's happening. (laughs) This isn't Uncle Dan telling us it's it's been greenlit for the fall for, you know, the the fifth time in a row. It's Ghostbusters has forward momentum. And so as much as I want it to come out as soon as possible, it's I I get to be in a phase of like, oh, it's coming. I'm not worried about it. I'm excited for it, but I'm not worried about it. I think after the last movie. And the wait for the last movie and then the push of the last movie and then the wait and the push like <laughs> this is I, I'm like, OK, cool. Just make it. Wait, I'll see you. Yeah. when It's done. I, yeah. I, we I know think we don't have really to wait just, another 30 years. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to wait another 30 years. And I, I don't expect that like it will move around three or four times during like I've yeah. said this on this podcast before, like the release of Ghostbusters Afterlife was a weird set of like goalposts for me. Like there were points during yeah. the pandemic that were really dark where it was like, it how was, are we going to keep doing yeah. this? And it was like, cause there's a Ghostbusters it, movie yeah, coming. It was the light at the end of the tunnel. hundred <laughs> percent for sure. And then it would but move yeah, and I, you'd be like, no, yeah. no, you keep moving the goddamn finish line. This is unfair. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, we don't even have to, I mean, like answer the call came out in 2016 and then afterlife came out in 2021. We don't even have to wait another five years. Like it's, right. you know, if it's not this year, then in 2024, we are getting another Ghostbusters movie. And it will still be the fastest turnaround between Ghostbusters yeah. movies ever. <laughs> like <laughs> Literally, I was. Yeah, because we Ghostbusters 2 literally announces that it's five years later. And right. this one is not going to be able to do that. So. Right. So, yeah, like we will get a regardless of whether they make it in December or whether it ends up being a June 2024 thing and they go, hey, 40th anniversary, let's do it, which I, I still think is a total possibility. Right. I still think yeah. there's a, that there's that potential. But, you know, we'll see. I, I'm not root. I'm I not do, rooting against the release date yeah. by any means. You know? No, no. But, if they suddenly announce like, hey, we just got it done real quick and we're super happy with it and it comes out in October. Cool. That's not going to happen. Please do not get that twisted <laughs> as like some sort of prediction for me. Don't get but thinking like, that Ghostbusters movies are like Haslab proton packs right. and they just send them to you early and blow your mind. But it's that kind of thing where it's like there is more than there has ever been like a clear path forward in a, a plan for Ghostbusters in multiple ways. Live action films, animated series, animated movie, comic books, all that stuff. We're getting more Ghostbusters and it's not going to be what we've gotten over the past, right. you know, 35 years where all, you know, all that stuff has been great. But it's been like, well, let's do this thing over here. Oh, it's been a while. We should do another thing. Oh, this thing's not connected to any of those things. But like here, have some more stuff. This is like, hey, everything you see going forward is going to be connected. It's going right. to matter in some way, whether it's video games, comic books, animated series, animated movie. All of it is telling a larger Ghostbusters story as opposed to just being like, hey, we did a thing. And so whether it comes in a month or it comes in a year or it comes right. in three years, like 
we're getting more and it's yeah. it's going to be important to to you know everything ghostbusters yeah i'm uh i think i mean i'm obviously excited you know and i uh, to be real like as much as uh i understand why you know the um studio probably doesn't want there to be you know seven photos of their set and <laughs> naked development stage uh you know le- all over the internet i get that um i will also yeah. say this seeing it gave me a lot of um i guess the word i'm looking for is confidence right yeah. like like seeing the like single wall with like jason and gill in black and white is like cute seeing that like the actual firehouse is currently in the midst of being produced. And then I can see like what the dimensions of the space are and how realistic and how true to form they're making it. I, I get that. Like they want us to see that when it's done. Um, and that's something that, you know, we're going to do on the podcast of not really doing <clears throat> a lot of sport, not doing spoilers, but I will say that for me, it gave me this sense of like, okay, it's going to be okay. Like, and it's yeah. kind of dumb to say that, but it's like, Look, there's a little bit of anxiety, even for me as a person who understands how movies are made about moving the the production to a completely different space than the place that, you know, the last the first two movies were made, you know, that you're going to recreate uh, an actual building. And are you going to do it right? And is it going to look good? And so as much as I'm sure that there are some people who are really pissed off and really had a bad day having to address that and send out emails about it. And I'm sorry for that, uh, for the folks who are in it as a fan. It made me feel good. Um, it made me feel like finding out about like there's you found out about like the people who went to the Millennium Falcon set mm-hmm. in the lead up to uh, the Force Awakens. Right. And they would talk yeah. about the experience of being on a practical Millennium Falcon set and how it blew their minds. And I yeah. feel like this firehouse is in some ways the same thing. So yeah. it's unfortunate that we got to see pieces of it early, but I, sure. I don't think that takes away from the magnitude of what they're doing and how important no, that is in terms all. of the franchise and making films down the road and et cetera, because it's not like they have to scrap it and throw it away either. You know, you yeah. put, it in, put it in cargo containers and ship it back home. Um, leave percent. it there. Cause you're going to film more there. You know, so. it reminds me of, um, when the 2017 it movie came out and they built that, um, the, the house on Niebolt street, they built like a, a real one out on like a Hollywood street corner. Oh my and God. Yes. It, I know exactly what you're talking about. It was literally, it was right across. It was like right next to Pantages. So yeah. I, I went through it and took like a whole video tour that yes, yes, have some podcast put up on yeah. the site back when it happened. And, uh, the, from what I remember, once that was over, they disassembled it and then yep. put it back up on the studio lot for people to go check yep. out. And so there's every reason, not that I assume Sony is just going to like put the firehouse up on the lot for people to walk through necessarily. <laughs> but that idea that like they can pack it up and put it away until the next time they have to film a Ghostbusters movie. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, it's so funny. You just said that. Cause you just like, you give me a huge flashback because that space where they built that um, house is mm-hmm. like across the street from the pie hole. And yep. yeah, what? I love that place. <laughs> and um, Their Earl Grey pie is so good. <laughs> and, that what that was was a parking lot. It yeah, was a private. Uh-huh. It was like you'd go in there. It was one of the places you could like book on like Park Hero or whatever, a Spot Hero for like ten dollars yeah. when you go to Pantages. And then they built that house there, and it messed up the parking around there for yeah. like the entire time it was up. And now I think the parking lot is gone, and that's just become like a pop up space. Yeah, for stuff yeah. like that was the first thing that did it though. It's kind of funny. I I remember because the Starbucks that's diagonally across from that. I yeah. work in that building like my the office I worked in was like three floors above where that Starbucks oh, that's so is. funny. 
and I walked to work because I lived like, you know, three more blocks behind where they they built the house. Yeah. yeah. And so I would literally like walk by it every day. And I remember having conversations with uh, Jacob Walsh from Yes Have Some, who huge Stephen King fan. Right. And I would show him pictures like, hey, they're building it. Hey, look, this is how far they got. Oh, look, they put up a street sign because they put up like the right. literal like it says Neibolt Street on it. Yep. And he was like, hey, you should steal that sign. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> I would like take pictures of it, like standing right under it. He's like, you could just grab it. And I was like, I'm not going to grab it, Jake. That's but hilarious. Like, yeah, it was so cool to like walk by that as it was happening and then to finally get to go through it. But I love that idea. And then imagine that they do like you know, a live action Ghostbusters TV series where every once in a while you see, you know, maybe it's focused on a team that is in some other city or state or country. And every once in a while they have a scene where like, oh, we should call back to, you know, to Winston and see what he thinks about this before we move forward. They just pop up the first floor of the firehouse and have a scene where he's sitting on Janine's desk or leaning against it and talking to people. And it's, five minutes long and and that's all you need. Like it, you have that ability now to just be like, Oh, whenever we need a firehouse, we have a fire. We can just do it. Right. Yeah. And that's, that to me is the really cool part about what they're doing. And I get it. Like for some folks are kind of like, why aren't they going back into the old place in the space? Cause they can't, um, yeah. they just can't. It's just, it's not doable. Um, and, and yeah. to be honest, if you, if you came to Los Angeles and you drove down there, you wouldn't want to go it's, in it either. Yeah. Like the <laughs> fact I, it does not surprise me that the shots that they got for the end of the movie, they like got in, got them and got out, you know? Yeah. Oh, and I've since then I have found um, I've, I've talked about this in the podcast that I've turned up the memos that were sent like from Sony to the city um, with a five thousand dollar donation for using the firehouse for the end of the afterlife where they mm-hmm. say we are we are, you know, thrilled to have been able to have shared the firehouse one last time, right. With yeah. fans. And so it's like, they know they're done with it. Um, which, yeah. you know, it's the right call as much as people may not be yeah. on board. Like there's a nostalgia, like you can't go back in and shoot in that old space anymore. Yeah. It's just like you doing, will always so. be able as a fan to drive through that part of town if you want and take a picture of it or say I was there the same right. as you can with, you know, the, the Biltmore hotel and any other place that they have filmed anything involving Ghostbusters, but it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, just like we talk about with like Gozer and Stay Puff and some of the other stuff, just because Ghostbusters is happening doesn't mean that that thing has to be in every Ghostbusters thing. Right. And it it goes, you know, that applies on a narrative level as much as it applies on a location and a set level. Like just because you can't film in the firehouse doesn't mean that you can't have a firehouse. And what, is going to matter the most is like when you watch the movie, does it look like you're in the firehouse? Because as long as the firehouse exists for the reason it needs to exist in the context of the film, that's all that matters. See what I'm interested to see is like, if they blow up the entire firehouse (laughs) and they have to go find like new real estate, where would they go live? And I thought recently, I was like, where, if you had to go create a ghost busting, you know, business now, where would Mm -hmm. your cheap real estate be to go set up your business? And my first brain, like my first thought in my brain was shopping malls. Like you're watching Ooh. all the like all the malls of America that are being turned into okay. like mixed residential housing and all yeah. kinds of stuff. Or where like you That'd can find dead you find dead malls where you know how dead it is because yeah. it's like the mall has a karate school, a dance studio, like all and these then things imagine, that are like not shopping. And malls are big. <laughs> like imagine right. Ghostbusters buying that because it's cheap and then being like, okay, this wing of the mall is gonna be where we work on the cars and this wing of the mall is the laboratory (laughs) and the basement level 
is, you know, a whole containment facility as opposed right. to just like one room with the unit in it kind of thing. Like, that would be cool. It could almost so, be like national headquarters or something. So it's like, you know, they, they move out of the city to like Morristown, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I always Some thought it'd be, Whippany Park Mall or something. I don't know. Like <laughs> I always thought it'd be cool to do something like um and we might have talked about this the last time I was here, but you know, have the firehouse become either like the the business headquarters or like the the logistical headquarters, but then yeah. have other places around the city where it's like, oh, but this is like an actual operation station. Right. And uh, and I've always thought it would be cool to have like an industrial space, but not like necessarily like a warehouse or something. But like like when you see a residential industrial space where it's it's got like the exposed ceiling with all the piping and stuff. But yeah, there's yeah. still Like brick walls. And it's the kind of place that you would be like someone's going to build a brewery in here or something like right. that. But you turn it into uh, a Ghostbusters, you know, station that they operate out of. I always like thought that loft. would be kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then it kind of it feels like when you drive around, you know, obviously in New York, they have and, and in other places they have these like firehouse firehouses like right. we've seen the Ghostbusters live in. But when you look at some of the more like local level stuff, it looks like that. It looks like this industrial space that has big garages for the fire trucks. But right. then there's like there's there's spaces for people to like live and exist and be on shift. And it feels, I don't want to say cozy, but it feels like there's a, a vibe to it. And I was like, it'd be cool to see ghostbusters kind of it's be in smaller. That too. Right. And like when you watch, when you watch certain, um, cop shows like, uh, castle and every time they're in that precinct, yeah, it's like, this is clearly where business is conducted, but there's also like this sort of like, there's a vibe to it that feels kind of cool as far as like the structure itself. Yeah, no, I think that would be kind of neat. And and I, I'm not saying by any means that I'm like, hey, mark three walls of the firehouse are the ones that are torn down, <laughs> right, thrown right. on the ground. Yeah. This uh, is just moving out. out ideas. Yeah. But, you know, I just I don't know, like long term, I'm I, they're probably going to stay in the firehouse. They built the damn yeah, set. Of so. course. Of course. Um, yeah. But it's you know. the firehouse in some form should always be a part of Ghostbusters, even if it's not right. The Ghostbusters are operating out of. Yeah. Like it's iconic. The same way with. The Ecto, like if for it's some like the, reason, it's the corporate headquarters. Yeah. Yeah. If for some reason the story ever is just like and the Ecto was never used in the field again because it's so old or whatever. Cool. You know, that car is going to be like on display somewhere or it's going to be put in a place of prominence where people can see it and be like, that's how we started. Even if that's not what we're using actively anymore. The Ecto is to Ghostbusters as the Clydesdales are to Budweiser. Yeah, <laughs> like maybe the Clydesdales aren't rolling up to your grocery store with your right. delivery of beer, but you know they're going to roll it out for every Super Bowl commercial. Yeah, like exactly. Kind of yeah, exactly. So, well, well, I'm sure there will be more to come to discuss what happens with the firehouse that's being built in the UK as production rolls out. But apparently, we'll be waiting until the end of the month for that to be starting, or closer to the end of the month. And it sounds like they're pushing about a week to two weeks. So, um, which, you know, it's, that makes sense. They have, yeah, they got to build what they got to do. Uh, so that, I don't know. And I, I'm also wondering where the other Ecto one is. Um, I'm still kind of wondering if we're going to find that out or if it's going to be, if it's already there and made it into the UK, but didn't get caught. Mm. Um, well, I think so. Too, Cause that didn't, they have one that was, you know, a full car. Like we saw them, you know, post pictures up. And then the other one, didn't they cut in half to get like interior shots and stuff? There's actually three. 
So there's okay. Okay. There's the Ecto one a car, which is the, um, the hero car from Ghostbusters afterlife that we see during most of the film. And okay. <clears throat> that car is not the drift car though. So gotcha. there's the stunt car, which is the, my understanding is they both received like new engines and stuff, but the stunt right. car was built for drifting. Um, right. <clears throat> thus is a little more rigorous, I think under undercarriage and things to deal yeah. with the stunts they were going to do with it. Um, right. And that is a new conversion. So the Ecto one a was converted into the Ecto one for after into the recto, right. For uh, yeah. afterlife. And then God, there was a, the recto. <laughs> they bought another, they bought another car that they made into the here, the second, uh, you know, hero car, the one they use for drifting. Yeah. And then there's actually a third car that they bought and cut up. And that yeah. third car is what it was. They cut up so they could do interior shots you know, and like bring the camera people into the car because you can't like bring all the camera equipment into an actual car. So they cut the car up into yeah. segments and that way they can get in between the actors and shoot the, the close ups they want to shoot, but make yeah. it look like it's inside the car. Uh, yeah. So there's th- there's potentially three ectos, two of them that are whole and one of them that's in pieces that's modular and is interior only. Right. Gotcha. So um and I imagine they must have saved the parts for the rest of it to be like, hey, we might have to fix stuff later because yeah, where the yeah, hell do you course. get any of this anymore? Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so like that's the donor car that ends up giving parts to the other two, probably. But um, yeah, like the, that's an interesting thing to consider that uh, potentially the interior Ecto-1 set may be in a box in the UK and there's still a car. It's missing, right? Because yeah. I know firsthand that that car was on the lot. And then it mm. was not when I went to the lot the first week of January, it had vanished. And the tour guides there said they just took it out to go film. And I said, OK, <laughs> so that the one that w- and ended up in the UK is the one from the Peterson Museum and not the one that was on the lot. So where okay. the car is that was on the lot, who knows? Um, but the original Ecto one is obviously still on the lot. That's still there. Yeah. Um, but the other Recto, who knows where it is? Um, maybe it's being converted into Marine Ecto eight. <laughs> it's gonna become a bumper boat oh my gosh. it's a bumper boat now no they're um, off modifying it so that you can open one of the the rear panels and get the unicycle out yeah so. that's that's exactly <laughs> it and they're, then you can fit the and then you, so you can they're adjusting the interior so you can fit the helicopter in the back <laughs> well they also need to fit in five more wheelie trucky rtv rtv traps which exactly, shout out, the to, fleet. Shout out yeah. to Troy Benjamin, the inventor of the phrase wheelie trucky uh, in reference <laughs> to that. Tra- I, he's it's his fault. Every time I think of it, I call it wheelie oh trucky. And it's because he called it that several times. He was like, oh, it's like that Transformers wheelie trucky thing. And I'm like, that's <laughs> it. It's the wheelie trucky trap. Now, I do hope I have two things that are, uh, you know, I'm going to be happy with whatever they give us. I trust them to make a good movie and I'm excited for more Ghostbusters. And for me, that's. The beginning and the end of like the expectations that I have. Yeah. Um, but I if I if you're asking me, like, what are some things that I think would be cool to see in the movie? Because they're building an actual Ghostbusters like firehouse set. Uh, I think it would be cool if they built the set in a way, because here's the thing, like so far, the firehouse has always been two locations. There's the exterior one that's in New York. And there's the interior one that was in L.A. I think it would be cool if and I don't know the logistics. I understand that it'd probably be tricky given the 
the uh, the adjustment between outdoor light and indoor light. And ultimately, even if they could do it, it would be two shots anyway because of that. Right. But I think it would be cool if there could be some sort of like tracking shot that either is looking into the firehouse from the outside or right. follows someone like from outside the firehouse going into it. And you finally get a shot that makes it look like this is the same building inside. And right. Outside. So you might get the plate shot of the firehouse in New York, but then you can take the footage you shoot of the firehouse on the set and make the outside match the real one. And then obviously the inside looks like the inside and put that in the New York shot. And you could finally have that like, oh, here's Winston walking from outside to inside. And it's like, and now it's one place. Like, I just think that would be, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to the story. I just think the G whiz of like, oh, that's cool. That's yeah, the first it, time we've been able to do that kind of thing. You know, what you're reminding me of is the same complexity and challenge that exists in shooting every episode of Dr. Who. Yeah. <laughs> right. Cause it's like the, it's the, bigger the props. On the inside. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's bigger on the inside. So there is no way for them to ever walk at a tracking shot, like through right. the door into yeah. like, cause it's just, the only way they can ever do it is to You'd build to like a false screen the inside. It's the green yeah. screen or it's to put the TARDIS against the false wall. Right. right. You can't it can be done. But the only way to really do it is you got to put the TARDIS yeah. against the false wall such that they can walk directly through the entrance and into the TARDIS yeah. while it doesn't look like it's, you know, uh, a set. So, yeah, yeah. Um, there was actually a, a bar in New York City it used to be called the Way Station. Um, that that was the the setup for its bathroom. You oh, stepped nice. into a TARDIS and then inside the TARDIS, there was another door that went into the bathroom. Um, That's cool. And then when you went inside, all the trash cans looked like Daleks. So that was <laughs> fun. Um, it's a terrifying place to pee. <laughs> it's that. <laughs> and then I also, in some of the concept art for Afterlife, there was the idea of um, the the RTV having like a personality like it, it's almost like a, a rudimentary droid where like the positions it gets in and the poses it does. It's almost like it's reacting to what's going on and it's like yeah. being bashful or excitable <laughs> or whatever. And and podcast being able to see where it's going because there's like VR goggles that get attached to the outside of the ecto goggles and PlayStation VR two yeah. goggles. Well, but like that kind of thing. <laughs> and I, I just love the idea of like the little advancements like that where you know, the RTV almost gets to become like a BB-8 for, yeah. you know, Ghostbusters. Oh, and then, God, don't, like, don't do that to about, people. Hang on, don't, don't do like that a, to people. They may get upset if you're like, now there's droids and Ghostbusters. <laughs> Here's the thing. The 80s are over. I'm sorry. Ghostbusters still exist, though. And if we try to keep making it seem like it's the 80s, no one's going to have any Look, fun. If, if a robot <laughs> can bring me sushi, then a robot can bust ghosts. Yeah. And I love like I, I love the idea. Like you said, of a whole bunch of RTVs and I just imagined like podcasts building this thing to like suddenly it's almost interacting with him. Like he souped it up to where it's almost as like AI now. He's like the and Dr. Then, Octopus of like ghost traps. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> you know, it's that kind of thing. Or like he there's multiple RTVs now just for the sake of having multiple ones in case they need them. And then toward the end, you know, podcast has just enough time to like wake up one of them with the remote control. But then that one like like 
takes all the other ones with him and like charges into battle. Like, <laughs> you gotta go trap all these ghosts or, or like there's one big one and they have to all like go out together and becomes and, a like, ghost trap mech podcast has and, like the, the control is out of reach and he reaches just far enough to like hit the button and he's like I hope that worked and then suddenly like <laughs> you know 10 RTVs come like flying across the the room just like we're on the way like they don't talk I, I don't want them to talk anymore. but just that feeling of like here comes the cavalry or something I don't know I just I feel like that would no, be fun I, love, I like how this started out as like a BB-8 concept and by the end of it it's 10 ghost traps that are shouting out we're on the way which I want now I, I don't care I don't care who, who it upsets I want the really trucky trap oh, to now be voiced have and it, I want it to like have a, a voice actor I want to say him, things like don't worry podcast i'm gonna get the oh ghost <laughs> no but imagine he like it, you know because ghostbusters is all about like oh what if we take this old tech and this old tech and mash it together and now it's a proton pack or whatever like imagine podcast just sitting there messing around with it and he like you know builds some sort of like rudimentary jarvisy <laughs> thing where it like interacts with him and responds to him like he uses an alexa or something <laughs> and and then he and then he like mashes that up with like a sit and spell or sit and speak or whatever those things are called. Like just stuff like that, where it's like if you say enough of what he made it out of, then you're just kind of like, oh, I buy it. And then suddenly, like now this thing is connecting the same way you can connect multiple like Alexas <laughs> together to play music in different rooms. He's like the one is like podcast turns on the one and then he's controlling 10 other traps to like fly in and help them out of a tough situation. Who all are yelling, we're on the way. <laughs> God. They all have but speakers yeah. in them and they all are synchronized to play the same music at the same time. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they all they all come flying in like, don't stop. Believe, believe it. <laughs> <laughs> You see just all these like gnarly demons getting sucked in and the whole time you're just like, hold on to that feet. <laughs> and, and ladies and gentlemen uh, and non-binary friends who are listening to the podcast, this is the part where we broke the format. So we were supposed <laughs> to be doing headlines somewhere about 10 minutes ago. We completely forgot that we were doing that. And now it's, we were now just, it's just spitballing about just <laughs> fan fiction. So, you know, that other audio thing that often happens when we cut to the guests to have an interview or a conversation about things that weren't the headlines, <laughs> that may not be coming this episode. We just you may just have to overshot. You it. may just have to deal with the fact that when John and I get together, this is what happens. Um, it is, but yeah. it's always engaging and fun, I think. So we do have another headline we should talk about because there's another news item. Yeah. So one more Ghostbusters headline we should talk about is about the upcoming Ghostbusters animated feature. Uh, Ghostbusters News has a story about this, but Sony Pictures Animation also announced it via their Twitter account. They've announced that uh, Lauren Sasson is going to be working on the next uh, Ghostbusters animated feature as a story artist. And it's my understanding that they've been doing work as a storyboard artist for quite a while. You can find a lot of their work on Twitter at at low Sassen, L-O-S-A-S-S-E-N. Or you can go and check out their work on Instagram. If you go to uh, at Lolo Sass, S-A-S-S draws. Um, this is really cool. They have a background in obviously storyboard art and whatnot. And also it looks like a pretty deep uh, sort of artistic influence coming out of anime. 
So that's kind of intriguing to me because I'm wondering what the style of the next animated feature is going to look like. Um, but um, this is pretty cool. And this is somebody who I believe if I'm not if I'm not wrong about this, John, you can correct me. But this is the person who also worked as a storyboard artist on uh, Spider-Verse. Is that correct? Yeah, that's uh, it looks like that's what the uh, the tweet that Sony Pictures Animation put out. They mentioned that uh, they are one of Animag's rising stars of 2023. Uh, and they were a story artist on uh, Across the Spider-Verse, the upcoming Spider-Verse movie as well. So that's uh, that's pretty sick. I mean, honestly, that's a really cool gig to have. And, and like you said, they've they've got a ton of really cool art on their Instagram from just everything from anime to MCU to, to stranger things on here. Um, so yeah, yeah. Go, go give them a follow, go type them up, let them know you're excited to, to see what they bring to the table. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. And, and like you said, it's so cool to see like not only the style that they have that is so unique. Like I think that's one of the things I'm also pumped for. Like I, I talked about earlier, the future of ghostbusters, as far as the narrative, but also the idea that going forward, when we do have comics and animation and that kind of stuff, and even in live action, as far as like new pieces of equipment or ghosts and stuff like that, is the new voices that are contributing visually. The the fact that like, hey, the cartoons going forward aren't necessarily going to look like the real Ghostbusters or extreme Ghostbusters. Right. It's you're going to have new people coming in and bringing their own visual style their own artistic flair their own you know their own voice to what right. ghostbusters is and and I, that's exciting to me i i'd love you know just uh over the past month or so um one of my other favorite artists uh sean galloway was posting his you know or excuse me his uh his own take on the real ghostbusters and i i love seeing people's you know takes on on this world and on these characters and and it's exciting when you hear them start talking about who they're bringing on to help define what uh ghostbusters is going to look like moving forward especially at least for me personally in animation um and uh lauren seems to have some really really cool stuff and, and i'm excited to see what they bring to the table like it's yeah and it's also cool to, to be getting more information and more announcements about uh, the animated stuff too. Cause that's something that, you know, obviously we've had animated series, but it's been a while since we've had that and we've never had an animated movie. So just as much as it's cool to be like, Oh, we're finally getting more consistent live action stuff. We're also getting animated stuff. And it's right. like, it's so cool to just sit back and see ghostbusters firing on, on all cylinders and, and bringing in new talent. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think, you know, it's it's always important to recognize, too, like storyboard doesn't necessarily mean that'll be the style of the actual product. Right. Sure. Like, 100%, um, I mean, 100%. I was just thinking about the fact that Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed has a uh, has some concept art that they've put out over the last few weeks that doesn't look like the game. Right. That they've kind yeah. of said, hey, this is where we started and this is where we've gone to. Um, so, you know, that's kind of you know, it's important to sort of think about that. But I do think that this brings in a different perspective of what the art could look like. And a different yeah. set of backgrounds and from somebody who worked on Spider-Verse and like, I'm not trying to say like this is going to be the Spider-Verse movie, but there's a part of me that kind of wants it to be that like this is the way we get to like a movie that's about a ghost um, and their perspective yeah. or that we get to a movie that's going to have a multiverse component to it because um, 
you know, I think that like, there's no secret to this that like Ivan Reitman wanted there to be a successful animated feature film of Ghostbusters. Like that was, Mm -hmm. he came off of heavy metal in the eighties and wanted that to be a incredibly successful animated film that, you know, critically people dig it, but wasn't necessarily a box office success by any means. Um, it has a cult following, but you know, I think that he had some interest in spider verse as a film, you know, that's kind of come out. Mm -hmm. I've talked about this a few times on the show that like folks working on the movie consulted with him and he provided, and they gave him a lot of credit for providing insight on what to do and what not to do. And I've always kind of wondered what it would have looked like if he had gotten to sit in on this animated thing. And if it would have kind of been a version of it, you know, of a spider verse style story. So to know that folks were coming out of that successful animated animation project are involved is great. And here's the other thing I'll just sort of throw out there. I never want anybody to forget that Gil Kennan has a background in animation too. Yeah. So it's like, as we talk about and, how this stuff Monster all fits House, together. Yeah, exactly. Monster House exactly. is a, a great movie in general, but also it's incredibly visually dynamic. And I right. think between knowing that you've got that kind of talent as a part of Ghostbusters in general, right. but also they are, you know, bringing in new talent that a is really great just for what they do, but also has worked on, one of the most visually dynamic franchises in all of animation, let alone right. Sony. And now those people are moving over to Ghostbusters. You know, it's. I am excited, not even necessarily because I want it to look just like Spider-Verse, but the idea that they could come in and figure out what that level of dynamic, visually arresting, visually inventive you know, stylization should look like for the world of Ghostbusters. That's really exciting. Like that's like, I can't wait to see what animated Ghostbusters looks like going forward. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's super incredible. Without question. Like that's the thing that I think is really the kind of the coolest thing is to see what it's going to look like, you know I mean? Eventually. um, And then from there, of course you can't make animated series without also making toys um, yeah. so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm excited. That's the other part of me. There's a little piece, piece of me that, you know, is a kid alt who buys toys. Who's like, yay, more cartoons means more yeah. crap. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So, um, and before, congratulations and, to, uh, Lauren. Yeah. Cause that's amazing. Yeah. hundred um, yeah. percent. But, and um, everybody go out and give those follows and welcome somebody into the, uh, into the pantheon of dealing with crazy people like us. Um, oh, yeah. cause we're such an, a, such an, an, an easy group of people to please as a fandom. <laughs> But, but we are rooting. We are, are, we yeah, are we rooting are. for you, Lauren. I, yes, you, absolutely. You got the touch. You got the power. Wait, that's Transformers. Never that's mind. Transformers. Um, um, you've yeah. got the tools and the talent. There we go. <laughs> I want to know why you've gone Flip City. I, I, I don't know. That's <laughs> <laughs> a terrible slogan. Let's not use that again. Um, <laughs> I'm like, what? I don't know. It's a weird song. It's just overall, but. It's yeah. Um, yeah. So this is, so again, these animated projects are still in development. We don't know what they look like yet. We don't know when they're coming out, but the important thing here to start thinking about is like, this is the second time I think we've heard of a storyboard artist or a story artist being announced in relationship to these projects. Cause there was somebody else mm-hmm. who was announced a few months ago. Um, and I can't remember that off the top of my head right now, but like the seats are being filled. If that makes sense, like to yeah. develop these projects. And so, I think that like 2024 and 2025 are going to be like so much Ghostbusters. There's yeah, just be it's so when we're really going to we're it's when we're really going to start to feel the uh, the promise of how Afterlife ended start to pay off 
Because yeah. we've we've kind of been left with this idea of like, hey, Ghostbusters is back. The final shots of the movie are Ecto One returning New York to New York and Winston returning to the firehouse. So you're left in this place of like, okay, we're we're back. This is it. We're back in business. Yeah. And you know, Spirits Unleashed gave us some of that, and that was a lot of fun and really cool. But it it hits different when you actually get to see movies and TV shows and stuff like that in that world telling that story. Right. And yeah, to start to see some of those things come together and and show us what that's going to be all about. And to me, hearing about story artists or character designers or all that kind of stuff being attached to these animated projects, that hits just as hard and it's just as exciting as, oh, yeah, you know, the the days leading up to afterlife when you start hearing about like, oh, this person's been hired as a creature designer and this person worked on right. scary stories to tell in the dark and all that other kind of stuff. And you start to look at what they've done before and you're like, oh, is this what they're bringing to the table? And then you see <laughs> right. pay off and you're just like, this was so good. Like, I I love that kind of thing. And, and so to have to be able to see that for multiple different Ghostbusters projects is just like it's. Is it's a good time to be alive if you're a Ghostbusters fan, for sure. Yeah. Um, that being said, there is one one potential story of concern this week that we should talk about. Um, OK, because it is a great time to be a Ghostbusters fan. And I'm not that worried about this. I'm going to be honest, but we mm-hmm. should probably talk about the uh, conversation surrounding Ernie Hudson and his participation in the next Ghostbusters movie. Sure. Um, and what I'm talking about here is that I Mentioned this last week, I think, on the podcast, but I don't really give it a lot of um, a lot of heat because I didn't necessarily feel that it was it seemed like a three minute conversation from the Howard Stern show that was being given a lot of attention. Uh, But it sort of came up again on the Jennifer Hudson show in the last, uh, you know, couple days. So. um, Ernie Hudson has talked about the idea that it was painful for him to make the first Ghostbusters at a psychological level and an emotional level. And that it took him a long time to get over it because he felt like he was being pushed aside during the production of the movie that he came into the film after the rest of the folks were involved in it. And that parts of the script that were originally written for his character were cut down, et cetera. And he sort of talked about this on the Howard Stern show last uh, week and saying that uh, it was painful for him, but that, he took him a long time to get over it that he didn't blame anybody in particular, but he was had some frustrations with the studio. Um, and so I didn't really think much more about it because most of the question that he was asked was to think about historically how he feels about the next go or how he feels about the previous Ghostbusters movie. But in the process of telling this story, he said, even now we're talking about a new Ghostbusters movie. And I'm saying to these guys, if I'm going to be a part of this, I really need to be there. And, you know, that he needs to be part of it as opposed to just like an add on or tacked on. Does that sort of sum up that correctly, John? Am I off the mark on that? No, no, that's that's how I, you know, took it as well. Straight. Same read pretty much. Right. Um, Yeah. Okay. so Ernie Hudson ends up going on the Jennifer Hudson show in the past week and or was at least his episode aired in the past week because I don't know when it was taped. And that's part of what I want to get at here is that (laughs) the coverage is that Ernie Hudson was on the Jennifer Hudson show. And he talks about the idea that um, they're doing another one, meaning Ghostbusters. And I'm not sure if I'll be in it, but for the fans to know, it won't be because of me. Um, And what that means is really ambiguous and not clear. Uh, And, I don't know if that means that he's having, you know, some sort of rift with the the studio over 
his character because he talked about not wanting to be an add on role when the, the sort of stern interview. I don't know if this is about, you know, something else, maybe financial. I don't even know if it's still a thing because I have no idea when the Jennifer Hudson show tapes. So right. I, I'm like, don't want to throw too much heat on this as being like, everyone should be highly concerned that Ernie Hudson may not be in the next Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. <laughs> but like, we don't know. I mean, everything that we, you know, thought we knew was that Ernie Hudson was attached to this picture. And now we're getting these two reports within a week that are in the midst of interviews on talk shows that are sort of suggesting that he's not locked down. So, um, I guess we're going to wait and see and find out. Uh, I hope he's involved in the next movie is what I sort of have to say about this because they kind of centralized him as the uh, yeah. face of the Ghostbusters and sort of the uh, you know brains of the operation moving forward. And right. I literally end every mission in Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed by walking up to a fake version of Ernie Hudson that eyes follow me around the room like a weird, creepy <laughs> painting. Um, so, I, you know, I really I hope that this is not a real rift and that instead this is just kind of like wires getting crossed out of sound bites yeah. a few weeks after they were taped and things, you know, I have, um, I have uh, a feeling that's what it is. Like my, my take on all of this is him, you know, he's, he's been reflecting on some stuff, especially because the last film really did set him up as, yeah. And, and Jason said it, he's, he's the Nick Fury. He's the Tony Stark of ghostbusters. Now he is right. their, their leader. He's, he's running the ship. He's whatever moves ghostbusters as an organization narratively make going forward. Like it's because Winston said I'm in charge and and let's do it. And I don't, I don't believe for a second that they've written, you know, a chump change role for him. Um, and I think that this is just people blowing sound bites out of proportion and him reflecting on his experience from prior Ghostbusters films. Right. And, and, the whole thing about like, you know, if I'm not in it, it's not because I, you know, it's not my fault. I I think that's him saying, like, as far as I know. And it's him, it's him doing the Marvel thing of like, I know nothing. Don't ask me anything. Right. But all I can tell you is as far as I know, I'm in the movie. And that if I'm not in the movie, it's not because I don't want to be. I want to be in this movie. I I'm pretty sure I'm in the movie. I I know nothing. So this is all I can tell you, right? Like, I think it's that sort of like plausible deniability about everything. But as and, far as I know, I'm in this movie. And to be real, of all of the actors who were involved in this picture and who were involved in the last one, he was the most cagey, I think, in language about whether or not he yeah. was involved in the, in the picture. Like he would yeah, repeatedly 100%. say things like, you know, well, you know, the contracts aren't dry yet. And so it's just like he's yeah. always reiterates when it's not finalized yet. So it's like, meanwhile, you can like look at the kids and the kids are like, I don't know what I'm not allowed to say. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So they, like, you know, they've worked on, you know, Finn Wolfhard was in stranger things. McKenna Grace right. has been in a Marvel movie. Like these are all people who were like, I totally understand what an NDA means. Right. And, and but they'll Ernie openly Hudson, say it. There's yeah. a different level of like, I think it's an yeah. age thing and I think it's a Hollywood experience. Ernie Hudson has like, been there and done that. And he's like, I'll say what I can say without saying anything right. else. Whereas the kids are like, I can't say anything. <laughs> There's a magic piece <laughs> and, of paper uh, that says I can't. I'm sorry. Yeah. Thank you. And so, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think I mean, if you remember, like people took uh, Ernie saying something about like, uh, we can't wait to for you to see what we've done with the next movie. And people took him referring to it as we in in a what do they call it? You know, a 
the little videos that you can get for people's birthdays or whatever. Yeah, cameo. Um, cameo. They took that as like, it's confirmation. Winston's in the movie. And it's like, hey, you could have assumed that. And B, he was speaking in character. Like, of right. course, he's going to say we, because right now he's speaking to you as Winston Zedmore, Winston Zedmore not as right. Ernie Hudson. And of course, like when that turned out to be the case and he was in the movie, people were like, see, he tripped up and he let us know he was in the movie. And it's like, sure, believe what you want to believe. But he has, like you said, he has always played his involvement, his knowledge of the film, his everything very close to the chest, because with these kinds of high profile movies, it's better to act like, you know, nothing and say nothing. Right. Than it is to say something and realize later, like, oh, I accidentally gave away that a big part of this movie has to do with what Winston is up to or whatever, you know. And so I think because often he's talking about what's coming up in the same conversation as what he's been through. People are taking it as, well, if he's talking about how hard it was in the past, him being noncommittal in the present must mean because he doesn't want to have to go through that again. It's like, no, it's because he's in a big franchise movie and he's trying to not give anything away. Yep. And yeah, it I I think genuinely a lot of this like doubt as to whether he'll be in the movie is just people people trying to get clicks. I'll be honest. Part of the reason we needed to stop and address this again is because I have had this terrible habit lately of saying there's no way that blank will happen. And then <laughs> those things like there's no way they'll fly the Ecto-1 on a plane. Why would they do that? They'll yeah. probably put it on a boat. And then, of course, it shows up there. You know, right. there's no way the Hazlab proton packs are going to ship early. It's not like we're going to have yeah. them in February or something. And then there you, they are. You and you so. and Craig Goldberg have the same problem. They'll never do. He he is notorious for being like they would never. There's no way they're going to do a Hazlab proton pack. And then it's like, hey, you want to you want a proton pack? <laughs> so what like, you're what? saying, <laughs> what you're saying is that um, that Craig Goldberg and I and our our mutual inaccuracy control the fate of this universe. Basically, I mean, I <laughs> you guys are cut from a different cloth, man. I I respect it. <laughs> I'm going to call him up now and be like, hey, let me tell you a series of things that are never going to happen. You're going to agree, right? And then you and Craig are going to start a podcast called Strong Psychic Beliefs. This or disbeliefs, be called, I guess. <laughs> right. That's that's the name of the podcast. Strong Psychic Disbeliefs. <laughs> God, but yeah, oh, but I totally. I don't know if, like, know if you'll I, hear that, but that'll be that's a good one. I like it. <laughs> I I don't see a future where I mean, like, if anything, they've positioned Winston and Ernie Hudson to have like absolute job security until he gets tired of doing Ghostbusters or he's yeah. not around to do them anymore. Because whether it is in sequels to Afterlife, animated stuff, whether it's animated movies or TV shows. Um, you know, live action television spinoff, anything that has an audio component to it yeah. or a visual component to it. If there is ever a moment where it's like we should check in with headquarters, Ernie Hudson will be there. Right. Or Ernie Hudson could it could be there. It might be a scene where they're like, oh, we called Janine or something. But like more so, like, do I want them to like never show us Ray or never show us Peter or never show us Janine again? No, that's not what I'm saying. But more than any of those three characters, Winston is now the one character that it's like, if we have to have someone show up, it needs to be Winston. Right. Because he's literally in charge. But so like, yeah, I mean, like, to me, that's just like he's. Yeah, that role might need to be big enough. 
And that's kind of the point. Sure. Right? It's like if he's just showing up but to I be like, hi, cadets. <laughs> like, yeah. And and I I'm sure that like when you have Ernie Hudson, someone as talented as him and someone who is like, if he's going to be the one that is used the most, the one like he is now the one that has the most to offer whenever they need to be like, oh, hey, remember from the 80s? Remember from the 90s? Remember that yeah. one case we worked? Remember that one time when we dealt with this? You know, and he's also probably the one that if you had to put one of the old guys in a proton pack and have him run around for a while, he's probably the one who would be able <laughs> to still like, do it last the longest. Right. And so, like, I could completely imagine, you know, a live action spinoff or something where, you know, you follow a team in another city or another state or another country and they're dealing with some like mystery that just gets bigger and bigger. And at some point they call for backup and hope people show up. And then, you know, at the last minute, uh, you know, a, a bunch of, you know, other Ghostbusters show up led by Winston coming out with his proton gun <laughs> you know, blasting. And he's just like, you're lucky we got here in time. He's just like, he's the guy who you want that to happen with. You can call Ray and he can give you all the research and all the data. And Peter can just kind of be there for comedic relief. And, you know, Janine will be there to coordinate stuff. And it'd be great to also see her in a proton pack at some point to have some of those times like we saw in the real Ghostbusters. But the guy that is like running the show and has the most potential to show up and still like be a like in action Ghostbuster for a little bit, if you need him, it's Winston. Yeah. Like this franchise was made for him to be that sort of like he's he's our bridge to the past and our leader for the future. Right. And even if that means like he's only in this project for two minutes, it might mean he's in this project for 30 minutes or he's the main character of this project or whatever the case is. And yeah, to me, like I feel like the future is set up for more Winston and I, I would be hard pressed to believe that there's going to be something that changes that. I, I, I really uh, do think this is just sound bites out of context. As, as you're talking about this, I just imagined something ridiculous. I have to share with you. I'm now imagining that when Dan Aykroyd, packed up his stuff after the last movie and went back to Canada. He just took the razor, <laughs> the, the razor cult book set with him. Oh like yeah. The yeah, whole yeah. Set. Like that's his living just, room now. <laughs> that's, like if, you pull, up to, if you pull up to Dan Aykroyd's house, you'll see the little razor cult neon sign in his living room. <laughs> right. Window, but just facing that means the, the street. The only time you're ever going to see Ray in, in Ghostbusters movies anymore is via phone call. Like he's only good, like he's only ever going to make phone calls like, listen, Honestly, kid, like I've got more news for you about this week's bust. <laughs> like, I would not be like, I, I know, like there's no like the the continuity and the the preciseness of things being the same between projects is kind of up in the air and we'll see how they handle that. But I kind of love that in Spirits Unleashed, they moved Raise a Cult into the place next door. And oh, yeah, yeah. It's connected to the alleyway by or connected right. to the firehouse by that alleyway. And if that's something that translates into other animated stuff and live action stuff, I think that'd be awesome. Because yeah. it doesn't mean that in every episode or every film, we're going to go across the alleyway to visit Raise a Cult. But right. it does mean that when you need Ray to be there. He's right across the alleyway. And right. I love that sort of like, hey, we have an in-house research division if you want to like formally title it something. But right. It's the bookshop, you know, yeah. and it's Ray. That would be a way to position that, too. That's pretty smart. I like that. Yeah. Um, but I also like the idea that Dan Aykroyd is just sitting in his house 
drinking crystal <laughs> drinking crystal head vodka and, oh gosh <laughs> um, sitting behind the counter of razor cult books just like polishing gems and just making phone calls to people he knows like hello how are you it's race dance i'm letting you know about the uh terrible nature of pke uh discharge that's happening in your neighborhood um just because that's what he's doing with his old age <laughs> i love the ridiculous plots that funny. i like to give yeah. dan Aykroyd. And, you know, he'll never be on the podcast, it, but um, yeah, I imagine or have that. it be something like I, I think it'd be cool, especially because Egon was the primary brains of the team back in the day. But Ray brought some, you know, some scientific know how to the table as well. Yeah. And I, I love the idea of um, even if it's not the bookshop, now that Winston is funding everything, they're putting money into like, OK, we got to produce new proton packs, new traps, all new gear, all this stuff so we can get everybody kitted out and everything. And uh, and then like you get halfway through the movie and they realize, well, if we want to defeat this thing, whatever it is, we're going to need this kind of thing. And then Winston's like, come with me. I know where to go. And then they roll up to this, you know, space where Winston is like, this is where we've been manufacturing all the equipment that you guys are using. It's based off the old stuff, but we put a couple new tricks in there to make sure we're ready to fight whatever comes from the other side. But I think there's someone who's going to be able to give you exactly what you need. And then you just see Ray walk out from like a lab and he's got like, you know, <laughs> goggles on and his hair is all messed up. He's just like, Winston, you got to see the results of the test we were running. And it's just like, oh, hey, everybody. You guys need something, and, you know, it's that kind of thing where it's just like, oh, of course, Ray is just like he's the Lucius. If if Winston is the Nick Fury or the Tony Stark, then Ray is like the Lucius Fox. If we're talking like that, <laughs> where he's just like, oh, you need something? I can make that for you. Well, I'm excited to see them back together, hopefully. And I'm I really, you know, I, I do think that a lot of this Ernie Hudson stuff is still overblown, but. Um, yeah, 100%. I don't want to. I don't want to see another article this coming week because it's going to be three of them, and then I'm going to be like, mm, now I'm really getting anxious. <laughs> um, so yeah. if we could get to making this movie and confirm that Ernie Hudson has boarded a plane and gone to the UK, that would be <laughs> fantastic. I right. really appreciate that. So everybody, it's Ernie Hudson Watch 2023. <laughs> you know where he is? You see that Ernie? Ernie? Extraplasm on Twitter. Extraplasm on on Instagram. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Let's do that. But now you're encouraging people to stalk him. No, no, no. I said if you see him. I caught him crossing the street. If you see him, not like you should go find him. Don't show up at his house. Don't bring him avocado toast. If you listen to last week's episode, he has enough avocado toast. His wife makes it. And then he then she gives it to Tom from the containment unit. Um, if oh, you don't gosh. know what I'm talking about, you clearly need to go listen to last week's episode, which had a great story about Ernie Hudson's avocado toast. Um, okay. That covers the media stuff for this week. We totally broke the format. And so, um, I think we have a couple more stories we're going to hit and then I think we're going to take it home. If that's cool with you. Works for me. Okay. So our last couple items then to talk about on the docket merch wise, one of these things, I was no way I was going to get out of the podcast this week without talking about this, because <laughs> every time I look at it, it makes me laugh because of how stupid it is. Um, the fine folks over at HalloweenCostumes.com have revealed a terror dog costume that they will be marketing for this Halloween season. Uh, the release date on this item is not yet available, but you can go and find it. And look for Ghostbusters Terror Dog Adult Costume on HalloweenCostumes.com. The item number is number FUN2828AD. 2828 um, what this is, is a full body terror dog costume 
with a rubber head and rubber hands and feet. Um, it, this look thing looks like if you were to wear it out on all fours on Halloween night, you might have <laughs> hands that hurt from galloping. Um, but this thing's hilarious. It's it's so goofy looking. And it's pretty funny. Yeah. I, you're you're either going to come home with sore hands or you're going to make some some very different new friends. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like this is this is like the if I, I don't want to, you know, put I don't want to put uh, suggestions into the world. But if the spirit proton pack is like the base model for people who want to build proton packs in an affordable way to hang out with groups of people who play Ghostbusters, then the terror dog is probably the base model for people who want to build a furry costume around Zooler and Scorpo. It might not be our jam. Respect to furries. You do what you do. It's all good. No, I agreed. I didn't say anything negative about it. I just said that's what it might be. Um, so I I think this thing is valued at a hundred. Not it's valued. It's it's price is one hundred and ten dollars. Um, so it's, it's I don't cannot see myself wearing it's, this at all. I think this thing little, would never fit me, but I kind yeah. of want one just because of how stupid it looks. It's a little odd to me, uh, and I understand that ultimately, you know, when you watch Ghostbusters Afterlife, there's not a huge presence for the uh, like the Sentinel terror dogs. Yeah. Even though, you you know, when you look through concept art and you see some of the statues that are there in Gozer's Temple and uh, and obviously like the one that uh, kills Egon is is meant to be a, a, a Sentinel terror dog. And so to me, it, it honestly would have been a perfect like me and my dog Halloween costume to be like, hey, <laughs> the people can dress up like the Sentinel Terror dog. I mean, we have an action figure of it. We can like we can have that right. sort of like, oh, this this makes sense for a person to wear. And then you have like a Terror Dog Terror Dog costume that you can put on your dog, whether it's like a little like fake jaw piece you can put on them or like a terror puppy in the ears or something. Yeah. And uh, and then it gets to be this cute little like, oh, me and my dog are, are the monsters from Ghostbusters kind of thing. It's it's a little odd that uh, that, you know, they're just like, anyway, here's a, you know, a quadrupedal terror dog costume for for human beings. Um, but hey, I'm sure this is going to float some people's boat, scratch some people's itch and more power to you. Yeah, um, it would not have been the first thing on on my mind if I was sitting down brainstorming Ghostbusters costumes, but it exists and uh, <laughs> and you can have it. It definitely exists. <laughs> it's, it's not available yet, but it will exist. And it even has a tail. <laughs> a teeny tiny little like three inch long spiky tail. It's just I, I, when I say that it looks stupid, I'm not like it's bad. I mean, as much as I just like it's comedy, it's really yeah. kind of funny. And I do wonder, like. Was it originally conceptualized as a Sentinel terror dog costume? And they went, well, we didn't really see that in the movie. So let's just like throw away the trident thingy or right. you know, throw away the weapon and um, just kind of stick it to being a regular terror dog. But um, yeah, this thing's funny, man. I, I can't stop laughing when I look at it. It feels it's just like so the kind ridiculous. of thing that I imagine. I imagine like some kid watched Ghostbusters Afterlife and is just like, oh, man, I want to be a Ghostbuster. And their their parents were like, <laughs> yeah, you want me to get you a costume? And like, no. I want to I want to make it. And so you're you know, it's like we all went through that point where it's like you sit down to make your first proton pack and you got hot glue <laughs> and cardboard and bottle caps and a cake pan and all that. And you're so proud of it. And, and you put in a lot of work and you you get ready on Halloween night. and You're just like, I'm a Ghostbuster. 
And then your dad comes out and he's wearing the store-bought terror dog costume. He's like, I'm so, you ready, buddy? And you're just like, oh, God, dad, come on. And it's like you want to appreciate and love the fact that your dad is just like so supportive and, and wants to be like, I'm excited for you or I'm excited with you. But at the same time, you're like, OK, dad. <laughs> oh, God, that's awesome. Um, yeah, that is that is quite a bit what it's like. It, it is. It's a little bit cringy, but. Also kind of I have to admit, it's like on that cusp of like, is it cringy or is it awesome? You know, yeah, for me, at least it's, you know, it's a thousand percent the kind of thing where it's like if you are a college kid or you get invited to like an adult Halloween party, it's like, hey, I have a pro. Oh, yeah. I might not want to take it with me because this is not like a am out to win a costume contest thing. This is. I'm going to my friend's place to like <laughs> hang out and have a few drinks. This and is have the a good Ghostbusters night. costume this is, to get drunk. This in. is what you wear <laughs> to go to that. This is not the I'm going to go win the costume contest or show off to the people I work with. Right. This which is, is not like I'm going the to the con and the pack and everything. This is the I'm just hanging out with my friends. and We're having a good time. Yeah, this, this is, is what you wear for that. This yeah. is not I'm representing my franchise at the local convention yeah. or going out to the hospital to meet kids. <laughs> but it might be I'm showing up at trivia night for Ghostbusters exactly. trivia and I'm going to exactly drink ectoplasm drinks all night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's definitely made amusing. With, and if nothing else, vodka and, and right. Midori. So it looks like <laughs> ecto cooler or something. Yeah. <laughs> So, folks, um, you got to go take a look at that and laugh at it, if nothing else, because it's freaking comedy. Uh, and along the same lines, those fine folks over at HalloweenCostumes.com have also announced that they have a Stay Puffed candy bucket with a handle on it that's coming out that's like made of plush. I'm just going to throw this out there. This has been done before. Uh, Spirit Halloween had one of these for two, two to three years. They lost the license. And so this is the version, I guess, that fun is going to put out. Um no disrespect the spirit one looked better <laughs> but, sorry um sorry everybody i know the folks at fun.fun might not want to hear that but um it's virtually the same item but a slightly different face and um that's still cool you know it's still a way to haul around your halloween candy that looks like state like you have a decapitated stay puffed head which who doesn't need that you know i mean as a ghostbuster yeah. if you can walk around with stay puffs head in the handle um <laughs> seems like you had a pretty good damn day. Um, <laughs> you, you got bills to pay now. Got it's him. okay. <laughs> You're getting paid. So, and a final uh, merchandise item I wanted to sort of talk about because I missed this. I think uh, the previous week talking about puzzles, because we keep talking about puzzles and things, but I wanted to talk about this one because it's kind of dear to my heart. There's a puzzle coming out. That's a retro VHS inspired Ghostbusters puzzle uh, from the cult movies puzzle collection by Clement Tony. It's a 500 piece puzzle. The reason why this is so interesting is because the puzzle comes in what looks like a VHS cassette. Um, <laughs> and I find that cute. So other than that, it's just the poster, just the puzzle of the poster of the movie. Um, it's not really that mind blowing. It's not that cool, but it looks like a VHS cassette. And as a guy who used to work in a video store when he was a little kid with his dad, I was like, that's heartwarming. <laughs> 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 you can build something out of VHS. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're looking for a 19 inch by 14 inch puzzle, um, you should check that out. My final thing I wanted to talk about this week. And maybe you, if you if you have anything else you want to share, by all means, we can still. T- oh, no, I forgot. There's one other thing I was going to talk about. Our friends over at Phantasm Toys uh, have new T-shirt designs uh, and they're offering free shipping on all their shirts and stickers. So they have new shirt designs and new T-shirt, uh, new sticker designs. 
um, that you can go check out. Several of these are directly inspired by the Kenner uh, figures. There's like a, a Slimer shirt that has the has has his face and the three meats that he came with, which I think is kind of hilarious. <laughs> there's a bug eye shirt. Um, there's a uh, there's a shirt that looks like um, a couple of the other like ghosts that spray water and slime out of their faces and stuff. Um, the point is that there is a whole bunch of new shirts available from phantasmtoys.com along with their offerings of glow in the dark toys that we talked about <clears> last <throat> week. And they're really cool. I have a few of these uh, prior shirts from Phantasm that I really enjoy and I like to wear because the artwork is printed really well and stands out and people always recognize it as being a Ghostbusters shirt, but not a traditional one. So um, check them out if you haven't already. And then um the last thing i wanted to talk about unless you have anything else is a movie recommendation um no not go a, I, I, yeah it's not a ghostbusters movie but if you're a netflix subscriber uh you, the movie we have a ghost is totally worth an like 90 minutes of your time that you would have spent okay. sifting through like a bunch of other random crap like the mass singer um <laughs> if you if people are not familiar <laughs> with what this is um we have a ghost is a movie that uh stars anthony mackie from um the avengers movies as you may know as falcon and then as captain america and captain america and the winter soldier um he's a dad in the movie his they move to a new house that is haunted his son is he's a singer and a songwriter and kind of is different from the rest of his family and is very sensitive uh sound familiar um, <laughs> and he <laughs> moves in next door to this girl who's also kind of uh, different and she's like a computer hacker and um, which is you know really weird archetypes for characters but the point is that they have a ghost in their house they buy a house that is haunted and the ghost attempts to haunt them to scare them out and because he is you know sort of a differently minded kid who's got different understandings of the world and is dealing with his own personal trauma he is just amused by the ghost's attempts to haunt him um, and the plot of the movie becomes that he befriends the ghost and tries to understand what happened to him to cause him to become a ghost and help him to pass on. Um, the movie is not a Ghostbusters movie, but there are paranormal investigators that Tig Notaro, uh, who's a um, comedian and actor, uh, plays. She's where they are essentially um, performing in the role of a Ghostbuster Ghostbuster for the CIA. Um, there's a whole bunch of, there's a medium who's in the movie, who's like a celebrity medium. And essentially the premise of the movie is that it's what happens when you have a ghost and you befriend it. And then your ghost goes viral on social media. Um, and <laughs> then the ghost kind of gets out of the house to try and go investigate what happened to it. And a giant nationwide manhunt occurs for these kids and a ghost. So it's not a ghostbusters movie, but I will say this. If you enjoy the vibe of ghostbusters afterlife, of like kids who are investigating the paranormal and who are not engaging the ghosts is something like they have to go and bust because they're all terrible, but instead because they're trying to fix the world and make things better. This is a fun little movie. I found it pretty heartwarming. It is not perfect. It has uneven writing. It has uh, pop cultural references that are already too dated and even <laughs> references to COVID deniers that have already gotten lukewarm. Um, but the rest of the story is really something I found to be kind of cute, fun, heartwarming and totally worth like 90 minutes. And if nothing else, um, watching the ghost effects in this movie and the sort of premises that they create are really great. I would argue that the ghost chase montage that happens in this movie where the ghost runs through a strip mall 
uh, is superior to the Ghostbusters Afterlife montage where Muncher runs through a restaurant. They are essentially the same concept in terms of what's happening. There is a chase happening and the ghost goes through a series of retail environments. And as much as it pains me to say it, I kind of feel like we have a ghost did that a little bit better than the restaurant scene we got in Afterlife. Okay. I will leave that out there for people to debate about later. So there's um, there's been a lot of uh, of media specifically on Netflix, oddly enough, that feels Ghostbusters adjacent that has come yeah. out recently. There's a, another show called uh, Lockwood and Co. That uh, when I watched the trailer, I was like, oh, this eh, take it or leave it. But I watched the first episode and honestly, it's pretty solid. And it feels like um, like Ghostbusters meets Hogwarts kind of thing, if, if gotcha. that makes sense. Like it's it's a it's an interesting take on that sort of like people versus the paranormal kind of thing. And and I'm. I'm intrigued. Like, I don't know how the rest of the season is. I only saw the first episode. I'm intrigued to check out more. But there's there's been quite a few things that I feel like have come out recently that if you're looking for um, things to kind of tide you over uh, and and scratch that sort of like people investigating the otherworldly itch until we start getting more Ghostbuster stuff, there's 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 some things to chew on for sure. Yeah. Um. The other show that I've heard of that I have seen none of is apparently there's a maybe it's CBS has a show called Ghosts. That is. Oh, like yeah. 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 A yeah. sitcom about ghosts that are all living in a place together or something. I, I, yeah. I haven't seen. I um, think it stars the uh, the actress from iZombie. And gotcha. Uh, who, by the way, was also a Power Ranger, which is very cool. Yes. And keep in mind that the that uh, her cohort who um, hung around with her is actually the voice of the um the the of ghost Tobin. the ghost voice of Tobin yeah, yeah and um and Ghostbuster Spirits Unleashed so it's a small world everybody everybody uh everybody is I don't know where I was going with that but yeah everybody everyone is spectrally connected in the there ghost go. network how's that <laughs> um the ghost network <laughs> Hold on, let me say this differently. Let me say this with greater accuracy. Everyone is spectrally connected inside the ghost network. <laughs> now it sounds official. Now it just sounds it does. right. It does. You know, it's canon now. <laughs> he made off with 14 canisters of our proton fuel, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> 16 ounces of liquid isotope. Yeah. <laughs> he took all the traps. <laughs> he cleaned us out. I can't do a Dan Aykroyd. I barely do one. Go get him, cadet. I always feel like mine is not really Dan Aykroyd. It's really much more Mr. Zelinsky from Tommy Boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's that version of Dan Aykroyd. Oh, man. <laughs> it's just like, did you eat paint chips as a kid? <laughs> 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 no. Why? <laughs> just. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I really appreciate that you came on the show, John. Is there anything else you want to add or anything else you want to plug before we head out this week? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, if you aren't already, you can follow me on uh, all social media. I, I say all don't don't hold me to that, but I am on TikTok. <laughs> I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on. What is that other one called? Not Bumble. That's a, a different <laughs> thing. But uh, Christian the, Mingle. The, Christian me no that's yeah that's it um no there's a another app hive 
five, the one that everybody was kind of flocking to when when Twitter seemed to be on the verge of collapse, which it still seems like it's on the verge of collapse. But <laughs> until the Hive, end of the month when they um, break the two factor authentication. I know, right. Seriously. Uh, yeah. Instagram, Twitter, Hive, TikTok. Um, if I know you personally, you can find me on Facebook, too. Um, but I'm on all those things and I'm also on, uh, Twitch and I'm trying to get more regular about it. I just did a stream this past Thursday and I will be on there, uh, just drawing and chatting. You can come and, uh, get in the chat and we talk about all kinds of stuff, all kinds of nerdy stuff, Ghostbusters, of course. Um, and, and I can, uh, give you guys a peek at what I'm working on and how I do it. And uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to build up my Twitch streaming audience and consistency. So feel free to join me there. And across all those platforms, you can find me at John Yurkaba for one word. The number four, J-O-H-N-Y-U-R-C-A-B-A, the number four. That's because you are a sequel. Um, I am. Yeah, I am a sequel. But as you're part of the franchise, the John, your cable franchise. I, yeah, it's it's the it's the John, your cable multiverse for sure. Yeah, that's I like it. I think that um, I, I, I think that's hilarious. Four. The concept like the, <laughs> that this the John, your cable franchise It's not just John, your cable, a one off. It's a franchise. Yes, yeah. it's multiple iterations. It's an entire branding opportunity. Get on board with John, your cable now. <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah, spinoffs, comic books, all of it. Um <laughs> I really genuinely appreciate you coming on the show and helping me work through this week's uh, headlines because I knew there were a bunch of them. And, um, you know, we did. We broke the format, but I hope that's OK with you. I'm going to live with it if you can live with it. So I can live with it. And if everybody out there can live with it, I'll say this. If you enjoy what you listen to, please do us a favor by visiting iTunes or Spotify and leaving a positive review for Extraplasm because it helps to connect the podcast with other people like you who dig this show, um, even when it breaks the format, because when we are breaking the format, we're at least doing so to have fun. Um, and beyond that, if you want to reach out to the podcast, if you have anything to share, you have anything that you want to contribute, you can always reach me at Extraplasm on Instagram, Extraplasm on Twitter, or ExtraplasmPodcast at gmail.com. Be well. Take care of yourselves out there. Thanks again to John Yurkaba for joining us. Um, and as Ernie Hudson says every week, and hopefully in the UK soon. Try to have fun. And if I'm not in it, it's not because I don't want to be. Oh, wait, that wasn't. 